The Midwest Film Nerds Podcast is now available on Stitcher Radio. Download the free Stitcher Radio app from the Android and iTunes app stores to start streaming our show today. Hello and welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Willie. I'm John. I'm Tim. In this episode, we'll be talking about some film news, building films around some of our favorite albums, and reviewing James Gunn's Slither. As always, please send any feedback to facebook.com slash Podcast. You can email us at feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com or call us at 248-733-5MFN. That is 248-733-5636. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at MFN Podcast. And make sure to check out midwestfilmnerds.com for all past episodes with show notes. All right. As always, this summer we're doing our summer, summer movie wager. Um, we're going to be giving weekly updates about where things are at, and uh, odds are Transformers is in number one, so that probably won't change. But before we start the episode proper, we're going to get right into that. Uh, this weekend, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes once again topped the domestic box office with $36 million. Um, about a 50% drop, which is actually not that bad week to week, so right. very happy for that. Uh, I think the good word of mouth probably helped. So um, That was followed by The Purge Anarchy, which opened in second at $28.4 million. And then finally, Planes, Fire, and Rescue, which took $18 million and hit third place for the weekend. Um, there are some small shifts going on in the list here. Um, unfortunately, those robots in disguise are continuing to dominate the box office. Sad. Um, yep. Sad, Transformers sad. Age of Extinction is... <laughs> it's right. like four straight weeks. <laughs> Blasted Just, Transformers. Oh, man. I, you know what? It, it, it deserves like another two months of it. So. <laughs> uh, Transformers Age of Extinction is number one with $889.6 million. There is little to... No, there's zero doubt it's going to break a billion. The so. people have spoken. They have spoken, and they love their Transformers. Uh, at number two, we have X-Men Days of Future Past with $736.3 million. Number three is The Amazing Spider-Man 2 with $706.2 million. Four is Maleficent with $697.1 million. Five is Godzilla with $491 million. At six, we have How to Train Your Dragon 2 at $384.7 million, which, I might add, bumped up a spot. So good oh, for How to Train right Your Dragon. Uh, and it bumped down Edge of Tomorrow, which is at number 7 with $357.9 million. And we got 22 Jump Street at 8 with $268.8 million. Neighbors at 9 with $254.5 million. And finally, The Fault in Our Stars at 10 with $248.8 million. Um, this weekend we got Hercules, And So It Goes, and Lucy out. So we'll see how those... Uh, those affect things. I wanna, I wanna do something real quick. Sure. Because I think I'm a pretty outgoing. Like I'm a pretty sociable. Absolutely. Guy. I, I talk to a lot of people. I've never talked to anybody who's seen Maleficent. Ah, and it's, it's amazing to me that it's at number four. So if you have seen Maleficent, please write us, contact us, because I want to talk to. Like I want to know. Yeah, and, and you know what? We can we can always. Um, do you know anybody? I do actually. Oh, so, you do. So if we don't get feedback, which okay. we encourage, um, you can just ask Kevin because he's seen it. Okay, Kevin's seen it. Kevin, Kevin, my roommate, has seen it. Yes, absolutely. I actually have not seen it. John has John not seen it. Seen it. Okay. I have not, uh, so. Nor have I. So, okay. okay. Well, well, yeah. I, yeah, okay. Let us know if you see Maleficent. Um, and, yeah, I'm curious to see what you think, actually. Because it's making some money. Pretty good Yeah, money. I know. and It's crazy to me. I, I mean, mean, it's not crazy to me. It, but it makes sense, but I just... And do we know what we're going to review next week? Uh, next week will be Hercules. Okay. For all those very excited for Brett Ratner and The right Rock. Right on. Yeah. Um, Kevin Sorbo... Star of the Hercules TV series, I read today. He's very upset. No, that's too bad. But you know what? He took the Rock's role in the Walking Tall remakes. Oh so, man, it so, goes around Cumberland. It, it goes around, baby. <laughs> um, sorry, Sorbo. We love you. Um, all right, let's get right into some film news. Uh, Mark Romanek, who directed Never Let Me Go and One Hour Photo, uh, is in final talks to direct Overlook Hotel, which is going to be a prequel to Stephen King's The Shining. Um, I know Stephen King just recently wrote uh, Doctor Sleep, which was a sequel to his own book, and we're not quite sure if this is going to be a direct sequel to uh, the Kubrick film or, or I'm sorry, prequel. it's a prequel, the, right? Yeah. yeah. So it, I'm curious to see if it falls more in line with the book or the the Kubrick movie. Um, do you guys have you guys seen One Hour Photo or Never Let Me Go? Do you know? Much I haven't about? seen either of those. Okay, I've seen One Hour fo- Photo. Which one's Never Let Me Go? Never Let Me Go is with um, Andrew Garfield and Kira Knightley. Oh yeah, I have not seen that. Okay. I've heard it's pretty good. I've heard it's kind of right. out there, but it's kind of cool. Um, I have seen One Hour Photo. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was very very creepy. Yeah, I remember thinking it was pretty especially decent. yeah casting Robin Williams as like the grossest dude yeah. ever. So um, <laughs> anyway, um, I'm excited for this. I'm a big fan of uh, of Stephen King. Actually, I. 
sometimes, yeah, he's hit or miss lately, but I think some of his older stuff is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, for sure. Uh, I don't know. Have you guys read The Shining? Either one yeah. of you guys? Yeah. Okay. And you, you both enjoy it? And I've seen both of the uh, movie adaptations. adaptations. So. What did you think of the, the second adaptation, the TV one? I, it, seeing that it was made for TV, I thought it was fine the way it was. Yeah. It was I mean, it, it's you always run into that, that aspect of things. When you've read a book and you watch a movie, you're always comparing the two. And, and sure. it's hard to get out of that mindset. So It is. Um, but, I, I mean, overall, it was enjoyable to watch, I thought. Okay. That was the one. King was direct, like more directly involved with that one, wasn't he? Yeah. He, um, was that Steven Weber that's in that? Steven Weber's yes. the, okay. the lead in that one. Yeah. Okay. Of Wings fame. Yes. Um, I, I enjoyed that one as well. Uh, I thought it was it was closer to the book, which I, I love the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, Kubrick's version is, is really a piece of art in its own right. I mean, it's... Right. it's it's totally a different beast, but um, I don't know. I, I think as long as we all, you know, as long as we don't expect this to be any better than Stanley Kubrick's original or, or fall in line with that, it, would, it could be good. King, King adaptations are kind of tricky. I guess this isn't an adaptation, though. This is True. A, the original story, which is even odder. But yeah, King adaptations are kind of tricky in their yeah. own right. I, there's not a lot of great ones, and the ones that I kind of like are the ones like The Shining kind of veer away from it, even though I like a lot of the books. Mm-hmm. Um Carpenter's Christine is probably one I like a lot, too. But, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so this is different. Um, but it, like I said, it's not really a straight adaptation, so there's yeah. nothing to really compare it to or nothing to really go off of, so there's not much. True. And, well, yeah, and, and I think what's interesting about it is we get so much of, I mean, certainly, in, I think in both versions of, the, of, of the, the film adaptation of the book, you get a lot of little hints to history of the hotel. You don't get to fully see... Uh, exactly what went down between these characters, but you see some weird characters, and some of the ghosts are kind of strange, and you're always kind of curious about what happened to this person, or right. what the hell is going on, like the guy in the dog costume that's like having sex, and they're like, that freaks me <laughs> out, you know? So it'd be interesting. I th- I personally think that if they gave this kind of the Bates Motel treatment, um, as okay. a series, maybe like a, like a, a series on a Showtime or something, where right. they could get really nasty with it, I would like to see a series. Uh, seeing a series, like, about people that live and work in the hotel and stuff, I think it'd be very cool. Um, but that's just me, so I don't know. I think one of the things you worry about with this, too, is uh, over-explaining, because part of the thing that makes it so creepy is that you don't really know what happened. Sure. And you can fill in your own blanks, and then when you over-explain things, like certain prequels have done, then it kind of ruins what was so great about it. So. The mystique of... Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um, anybody else got any thoughts on this? I mean, I, I, the horror remakes are big right now, so I guess it's nice to kind of see... I'm on board to see where it goes. It'll be interesting. I mean, if, if this is a prequel, are they, are they going to do... Are they going to do The Shining again? Is I mean, that going to follow it up? Maybe. Um, yeah, I guess I guess they could. I mean, I would be I would be okay with a Shining remake, to be honest. I mean, if they did it different and they did it... I mean, you can tell the same ghost story in so many different ways, really. Right. I mean, it's a very simple ghost story, mm-hmm. you know, at its base. So you could do a lot of things with it. So I, I'm interested. I'm curious to see what he does. Yeah. Um, I'd like to watch Never Let Me Go so I can get more of an idea of kind of where he's at as a director now. Because one hour photo is, what, 10 years old now? Yeah, I was going to say, are those the only two movies he's done? Those are the two, the two biggest ones. The ones that I instantly had recognized. Okay. So, um, I know he does a lot of music. He's done a lot of music videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where his name popped up. Lots of Jan- I know he's done some Janet Jackson music videos. Okay. Some, some like the big artists, like pop artists and stuff. Interesting. He's done a lot of Michael Jackson. Yeah, I see Michael Jackson yeah. on here. Okay. Lots of different Oh, stuff. he was involved. He's somehow involved in Lock and Key, which is a very good uh, comic book written by Joe Hill. Yeah, also, I've actually read like the first three volumes of that, and it was awesome. Right. Oh, he was going to do the t- pilot. He was going to do the pilot for, for it. For Lock and Key? For Fox. See, yeah. so that's cool. Like, it, clearly, he has a kind of a, he wants to do something kind of creepy, and, you know, I mean, it's... Right. I, 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 think, I think it could turn out to be very cool. But we'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep you updated on casting and stuff like that as things come down the pipeline. Cool. But, um... um Dante Harper, uh, the original screenwriter for Edge of Tomorrow, um, he didn't get a, actually get a writing credit on Edge of Tomorrow because uh, his script was what was picked up when the movie was called All You Need Is Kill, was okay. the original name for that movie. And um, it was the, the script was purchased for like $3 million from the studio. I mean, it was like a hot script. Everybody wanted a piece of it. And unfortunately, it went through a lot of changes. We liked the movie that we got. I think we can all agree with that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but anyway, he's going to be penning uh, Akira. The live-action Akira adaptation Interesting. for Warner Brothers. Um, they had begun this process trying to get Akira off the ground for a while. They had Gary Oldman cast in a role. They had um, they had a bunch of people lined up to, to work on this movie, and then it just kind of fell apart. But I'm thinking maybe because of Edge of Tomorrow's success, maybe they're like, we can jumpstart this. I'm just curious, have you guys seen Akira, or how do you feel about anime in general? I mean, it's the I haven't I haven't watched Akira in a very long time, like probably since. 
10th grade. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a while. Um, I've read a handful of the graphic novels. I mean, I've always been, a, like, anime, my appeal to anime has always been the art as opposed to uh, anything else. But um, I thought Akira was, was always a fun watch and a fun read. Sure. Tim, have you, uh, have you had any experience with it? I, have you? I have, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not an anime guy. Sure, okay. Like, I, uh, I respect it mm-hmm. and I understand, um, but I haven't seen a lot of okay. it. So, like, what it, like, Sell me on it. Sell so, me on Akira. So uh, Akira's it's it's out there, like many anime uh, anime projects are. But basically, uh, it takes place in Neo Tokyo, which is kind of a futuristic, neon laden, uh, semi dystopian version of, of actual Tokyo. Lots of techie stuff going on. Okay. Um, and the lead character is named Kaneda, and he is a motorcycle gang member who basically gets caught up in this government conspiracy that involves. Psychic children being used uh, to as weapons, essentially. Okay. I don't want to say too much because it's it's a very cool movie. Uh, visually, it's it's totally out there. Kind of reminiscent of things like uh, Carpenter's The Thing. It gets into that kind of stuff, really like body horror and stuff like that. And, uh, okay. It goes places you don't expect it to, but it's basically a kind of a rebels versus government with a lot of psychic metaphysical stuff being thrown in the mix okay. and some disgusting images. Yes. Um, uh, very gory, very cool. Um, okay. That being said, I don't know. I, I, I'm ex- I'm excited to see um, Akira be adapted, mostly because I don't understand how you can. Um, I mean, <laughs> there's going to have to be a lot of changes made, and I know that when they first talked about making a live action uh, version of this, they were talking about there was going to be a uh, uh, neo t- Chicago, or you know, like it was going to take place in the states instead of. I get that, um, but I. I I'm curious to see how you pull off some of the visuals that that occur in this movie because there's a lot of crazy transformations and okay. off the wall stuff going on. Um, but I'm excited. I guess it depends on what the, who they get for. All you need is kill was a uh, manga, right? That I believe was yeah, okay. or a graphic novel of some sort. Yeah, okay, yeah. So he's clearly so he has a history. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, I'd be interested to watch it for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I, you know. You're, you're talking about these transformations. I think with the way visual effects have gone, I think we're totally fine. Sure. You know, yeah. I, I mean, they, they just they get better and better it's true. with every movie. Unless I mean, even with with like movies like Sharknado and shit mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, like, yeah. The, not the best effects, but they're tolerable enough to where you want to watch it still. And that's a low budget so, movie. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, this is probably going to be a hundred million dollar venture. You know, maybe more. So yeah, they're going to get pretty invested. I mean, that's a that's a huge cult following you have to appease. Yeah, absolutely. So. so um, well, yeah, I'm excited. I'm glad to hear that you are, John. Hopefully, Tim, maybe you'll get to see the original at some point and check yeah. it out and see what you think. It's worth a watch, I think. Okay. It's, especially if they're going to adapt it. I, yeah. I would recommend seeing it at least once. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Well, I like a lot of the stuff that's been anime-influenced. I've just never yeah. really di- delved into it. Yeah, so. and to be fair, I'm not... I, I have, I'm a complete slouch when it comes to anime. I mean, I, I'm a DBZ guy, and that's about the extent of my anime <laughs> watching. Too, so. many, too many fart jokes for me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, too, too many part, fart jokes. Yeah, Akira, um, I don't think he has any fart jokes. Okay, good. No, okay, I might it, like this It one takes then. itself pretty seriously. So. Okay. Um, our third piece of news today, uh, Marvel Studios has set dates for five separate movies uh, between 2016 and 2019. So in that three-year span or four-year span, we've got five new movies coming out. Um, we know for a fact that 2015 we're going to be getting Avengers 2 and Ant-Man. Um, and then 2016 for sure we'll be getting Captain America 3 and then another mystery movie. So uh, I know that we'll be probably getting a lot more confirmation as far as to what these movies are. Um, coming up here we've got Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, and they like to make their big announcements then. But I'm curious as to what you guys think, maybe what's going to fill those slots, what do you expect to see, what do you want to see, all that kind of stuff. Tim, you got any ideas? Well, what do we have here? We got, so next <clears throat> next, next year is year. Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. Avengers yep. and nothing? And uh, Ant-Man. Ah, Ant-Man. And then we got Cap and a mystery movie. And probably Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. That would be my guess. Okay, so that's four, right? Yeah, well, we've actually, but that's that's through 2016. Uh, oh, so these are announced after. So we'll have another, yeah, yeah, we'll have another, uh, another. Well, you got to imagine Thor 3 will be on there somewhere. Sure. Thor 3, and then... Maybe Guardians Two, mm-hmm. or I've heard they've bounced around ideas of another Hulk movie. Sure, which I don't. Let's see how Avengers Two, because the Hulk movies haven't exactly 
lit things on fire, which is weird because he seems to be a really popular character. I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, he certainly. I think a lot of lot of. I mean, I know a lot of kids walked out of the movie going, "Holy crap, I want to be the Hulk." Yeah, um, <laughs> walked out of Avengers feeling that way. I mean, I think I did. Too. And I would love to see a Ruffalo Hulk movie. Mm-hmm. Let's see a Ruffalo Hulk TV show. Um, I would like to see. Let's get the ladies involved. Like sure. Little Miss Marvel? Sure. Uh, not Little Miss Marvel. That... <laughs> no, actual mi- adult Miss Marvel. Adult Miss Marvel. Yes. But, yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I think that's probably the next step. I've heard rumors of that, and I would like to see that. I don't know a lot about Miss Marvel, but I don't know a lot about Guardians either. Okay, sure. So, I wouldn't mind mixing it up a little. Do you think, um, if, if you had to pick a female-led uh, superhero film, would you would Miss Marvel be your choice? Or is it just something that you've heard that you kind of might... That's one I've heard. That sure. would probably be my choice. I mean, who are some of the other ones? I guess you could do a Black Widow spinoff, maybe. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Black Widow would be a good TV spinoff. I would probably like that better than yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah I guess Black Widow would be the logical thing. Yeah, um, they might do that. Jessica Jones, I guess, but that's another one that's kind of made for TV. Yeah, I think they're doing that one on Netflix. Oh, is that one on the Netflix ones? That's one of the Netflix ones, Okay. Yeah. But I mean, you're right. There's not a ton of... Marvel female superheroes aren't members of teams. You know, a lot of them are right, that's what X-Men I'm thinking characters of. and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Um... No, Miss Mark, Miss Marvel would probably be the. Yeah. I could, yeah, I, I think that's cool. She's got alien origins. She's like tying into some of the Guardian stuff. And, right. Yeah, very cool. John, are you, I mean, you're probably a big a fan of these movies. I would assume. Oh, I love watching them. I'm sure. just not nearly on the up and up like. <laughs> well, are. no, I mean that's okay. Is there is there any um are there any I mean what would you like to see come out? I, I mean I'd love to see another X Men movie. Okay, sure. I, just because I, I've been such a fan of First Class and Days of Future Past, I'd like to see where it goes from here. Well, and we've so, got um. There's going to be, uh, we don't know if Singer's coming back yet, I don't think, I can't remember, but uh, Apocalypse is happening. Cool. So that I think that'll definitely scratch that itch for you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something, like, you know, I, I've always been a huge fan of the X-Men, mm-hmm. and so I'd like to see more of that, personally. Sure. Uh, I mean, the, the Avengers, I love the first movie. I, sure. It's one of the funniest movies I think I've watched in the past few years. Right. And yeah. in, in, in re-watching it, too, I mean, I keep picking up more and more, which, mm-hmm. is, which is cool, so... Uh, it'll be cool to, to see a second one of those, I think. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I know, I, I mean, I, I would like to see, I think my thing, kind of in line with Tim's female-led superhero film, I'd like to see a, a, a little uh, ethnicity going on in the superhero films. So like haven't a, seen a lot of that. Maybe a Black yeah, Panther film. They've thrown around, yeah, Black And that's Panther. an idea that's been toyed with. But I think the, the, the thing about Black Panther is not only do you get um, a black superhero in the leading role, which would be very cool, because... It really hasn't been one of those movies yet, and I think no. it'd be cool for for kids to like have somebody relate to. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I mean, we've seen Falcon, and Falcon was great. And War Machine, War Machine's great, but they're supporting roles. Um, I'd love to see Wakanda, which is the African country that Black Panther comes from. It's kind of a uh, it's amazing because it's it's uh, this super technological city that's surrounded by uh, the African jungle and and stuff like that. So it, it's this weird little hamlet in the middle of. Of almost nothing, and right it'd, it'd be very cool to see some of the technology and to see kind of that landscape and stuff. I think in a movie, yeah. and it'd be totally different from what they've done before. I think in terms of look, um, not sure who I'd want to direct it, but I hope that's in there somewhere, um, definitely. And I would love to see a, a Moon Knight film, but I think that's Moon probably be more along the lines of a Netflix deal. Is Moon, Knight, Moon Knight's Moon Knight's a white guy, right? Moon Knight is. Um, what is Darkhawk? Dark <laughs> Darkhawk. Oh, Darkhawk is, um, Darkhawk's a little kid named Chris Powell yeah. who finds a gem. That, yeah, oh that, yeah. And then he switches, like, the, the gem, he holds it, and it transports his body to a space station. Yeah. And swaps his body with a robot body. It's the it's insane. I man. know, I, I, I told you this, I own a Darkhawk comic where him and the Punisher, like, fight for, like, 10 or 15 pages, and then the cops show up, and the issue's over. And it's the <laughs> dumbest comic book I've ever read. It's also my favorite. Like, I love it so much. It's just a big brawl. I don't even know why they're fighting, but they're just in, like... And they just take off, and the cops show up. Like, the cops show up, and then the fight's over. That's amazing. <laughs> I need to read this. Let's not make that a movie, though. Maybe a short, a one-shot. Get Tom Jane to do another yeah, one of his weird... Uh, weird Punisher short films. Make Punisher short films. <laughs> Um, How far away are we from another Blade reboot? I don't know. Not probably not that far. Uh, they got the rights back, so okay. it's probably going to happen. The, the first Blade movie is one of my favorite it's movies. Yeah, it's great. I can go for more. Great too, yeah. I, I want more Blades. Yeah. Uh, would you want Wesley back? Yeah. Okay. Oh, he makes a perfect Spring Blade. Right back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Wesley, come on now. <laughs> come on. Now. Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. You know what? Maybe Wesley. Wesley's getting a little long in the tooth. Maybe he trains a new Blade. I like that. Yeah. Oh, Blade Junior. Mm-hmm. Alright, um, that about does it for news this week uh, We've got a new segment for you this week um, Something inspired by Mr. Morell here um, We're going to be selecting albums that we love 
Uh, well, I'm assuming we all love the albums we picked. Yes. So. Um, or albums you hate. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and we're going to build a movie around them. Now, uh, that can include a cast, a director, a basic storyline. However far you thought of this, great. If you didn't think that far into it, that's okay, too. I'm basically, basically saying that because I only have a basic idea. So I'm apologizing right now. Anyway, so uh, let's get right into it. Uh, Tim, why don't you oh, kick things off for you us? You want me to go first? Yeah, I want you to go first. All right. I, 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 I like this. All right. I'll have to do a little bit of backstory on mine. Sure. Um, Weezer, the first two Weezer albums, the Blue Album and Pinkerton, are probably the two albums I've listened to the most in my life. Okay. Um, like, I, I've worn them out. And they had a, the original idea for Weezer's second album that was that ended up being Pinkerton was a... It's called Songs from the Black Hole, and it was like a... Uh, it's like a space rock opera okay. type deal. Um, I've they've released it over time. Like three or four of the songs ended up on Pinkerton, uh, their second album, but a bunch of them have just been kind of released because uh, the lead singer Rivers Cuomo his he released them in kind of like demo albums he's put out over the years. Okay, so a lot of the songs aren't real, like clean or polished. And, polished, okay. and honestly, the album. People have kind of pieced it together over time. It's just, it's kind of this weird, like, lost album type deal. Okay. And I've listened to some of it. Um, someone, like, a band put together kind of like a redo of it, like a cover version. They recorded some of the, okay. That they've done through, like, original notes and, like, demos and stuff. But basically what it is is, and it's kind of, I'm going to be honest with you, it's kind of stupid, <laughs> the album. It's kind of like a, a they even the people who recorded it, it's kind of like a Montel episode set in space because it's like a guy who it's five characters. It's, um, well, it's six characters, actually. There's the lead singer, which is basically, or the lead guy, which is basically um, Rivers Cuomo, the lead singer, is he's a space, oh god, like his pilot. A pilot of a sure. spaceship. It's yeah. yeah. a wonderful, <laughs> a wonderful description I'm going through here. I should have just pulled up Wikipedia, but I'm like... Um, but he, he gets into a love triangle with two girls, and he's got his two buddies there. And there's also an android there. Okay. And the songs kind of go throughout that thing, and they go fly through space. And one of them ends up getting pregnant from her other friend. It's a, it's a cool idea okay. for a CD to go through to have like a relationship space opera. Okay. But it never really works. And I think it's because he kind of gave up on it. Okay. Um, he gives up on it. I think he gave up on it pretty early because um, the bassist Matt Sharp went to went on to form the Rentals, and they released an album that kind of sounded a lot like it uh. in the interim. So I think he kind of scrapped the idea for it, and it's kind of a bummer. I would always like to, from what I've listened to it, I kind of liked hearing it. Okay. And so I like when I listen to it, I'm like, this would make an interesting movie. movie yeah. It'd probably not. Be very good. I would watch Space Montel though. Space exactly. Space right? Montel that could be its, its own movie. Yeah, and that's what's kind of that's what's kind of charming about it is that it's not really a space like epic. It's like a relationship drama uh-huh. in space. So, um, this would have came out in like ninety five, ninety six. Okay. The the CD the album would have came out in like I think ninety six. Okay. Would have been the year because that's when Pinkerton came out. So. I was thinking, like, the director for it probably would have to be Spike Jones. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that would be cool. Or Michelle Gondry, because he did a lot of music videos around that, too. I wanted, like, a music video slash real director. Sure, yeah, for somebody who's dabbled in, yeah. And the idea, every time I listen to it, the, the show I think of is, like, Lost in Space. So, mm-hmm. like, a lo-fi type space okay. thing, too, because it wouldn't get too out of it. So then I started trying to pick people that were around in 95 and 96, and this was kind of tricky. So uh, the lead character's name is Jonas, and he's kind of, like, a nerdy... He's basically the lead singer of Weezer. Um, so I don't, I don't want these played by the band members, except for one of them. Um, but I had Ethan Embry for that. Star okay, Ethan of, Embry's always, yeah. He has musical, because he was in That Thing You Do, and Empire Records. Okay. Around that time. I think he was only 18 or something when I looked it up. Juan and Dondo are like his two bro buddies. Okay. And one of them ends up having sex with um, one, of the, one of the girls he's in a love triangle with. Okay. And gets her pregnant. And so that will be Matthew Lillard. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, that one's Matthew Lillard. The other one I've got is Seth Green because he was around that time. This is perfect. Yeah, because they're both kind of like they, they they would both be hanging out with the lead singer Weezer at this oh, totally. point in their life. They probably did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Maria Maria's the uh, she's like the bad girl that I'm, that he falls for early. Okay. And she's the one that ends up getting pregnant. And I have uh, Joey Lauren Adams. From like ninety five, ninety six, Joey Lauren Adams from Chasing okay. Amy because she has a musical Chops too from okay. that movie. If I remember, yeah, she could play like the smoky bad girl. Absolutely. And then Laurel is kind of like the good girl that he kind of like screws with, 
And, okay, I have this as Maya Rudolph, because <laughs> the reason I have this is the girl in the uh, on the album, the singer, was from The Rentals, who is the basis, the original basis from Weezer's band. Mm-hmm. And their two albums are way better than anything Weezer's put out in the past, like, ten years, so you okay. should listen to them if you okay. like Weezer. Um, but I have Maya Rudolph for that because she was actually in the band. From oh the first gosh. album. She was the keyboardist. That's fantastic. So she could act and sing. That's so. fantastic. So that's what I got. That's awesome. I, I, I had no clue. I'm, I'm a pretty... I mean, I'm, I don't know. I like I like Weezer a lot. I right. like the first couple albums quite a bit, and I, I've never heard of this, so it's pretty cool. My breaking point with them is like 2002, 2004, whenever Maladroite came out. Like, I think it's a really good album, and then everything after that, like, if I put together, like, the songs I liked... From the last four it'd like albums, and be like one good CD. Yeah. Okay, well, so. we made one, you know. <laughs> John, what do you got for us? All right, so I've, I'm a little ashamed here, embarrassed because I didn't put as much work into this, <laughs> and it was totally my idea. I guarantee you, so, I put less work than you did. So, all right. That being said, uh, my album is "We Have the Facts" and we're voting yes by Death Cab for Cutie. Uh, and ironically, I also chose Spike Jones as my director. Nice. He's gonna and, be busy, and also. <laughs> Also, the writer, because he had his hands in, like, pretty much every aspect of her. Right. And I loved that movie. And I liked the idea of him really only having two main characters to focus on. Mm -hmm. So my lead male, I chose Emile Hirsch, because I really liked him in Girl Next Door. And okay. I chose Anna Kendrick because I like her in pretty much everything she does. Right. You like and her. And she's yeah. adorable. So, um... <laughs> But as as Morel, I feel it's necessary to write myself some form of romantic comedy, um, and so that's kind of where I'm going. This takes place in like L.A. because a lot of there are a lot of references in the the album by Death Cab uh, to L.A. and Southern California, and so uh, basically the way I have it set up is a, a boy meets a girl in a coffee shop and they fall head over heels. And you follow them through their progression of their relationship from dating to marriage into their old age. The movie ends, and I'm going all the way to the end here because this, okay. this is what because basically like all relationship movies are the same thing. There's like the up and the down, and the up and the down, and then the resolution. Well, basically, the resolution of everything is that the camera snaps back to young Emil sitting in the coffee shop, and he's like, "Ah, who am I kidding?" And he gets up from the table and walks out, and that was the end of the movie. So it was basically just one giant daydream. Okay. Very cool. And I think that kind of ties in because the album itself is kind of a concept album and it's uh, it's about a failed relationship. So I think the idea of like just dooming it from the start is kind of like he just kind of thinks through all these thoughts of like what could happen and where it's going to go. And then all of a sudden he just like, ah, forget it and moves on. Okay. And I think that's funny, like in yeah. a way too. Like like that that to me is like he just, he's sitting there and he's so pessimistic and he's like – but he had that moment of optimism where he's like thinking about how cool everything could be, and then he's just like, "Ah, fuck it." <laughs> like that, that to me is funny. So, no, uh, these are this is a these are all musicals, right? Like that's kind of what well, thinking, yeah, I'm trying yeah. to. I mean, okay, I think I think the it, could, idea... it could be musical. It could be straight up movie interpretation. I, that's, okay. I think we're we're kind of open as to where okay. things could have gone. As long so. as it incorporates the music, somehow, yeah, exactly. That's and right. that's okay. Like I I feel like the music of of this album, we have the facts. We're voting yes. It it. It is a perfect soundtrack for something right. like this. And I would love to hear these songs played out to some kind of movie like that. Right. So. Okay. Very, That's very kind cool. of where I stand with it. Cool. Very, very cool. Um, I went with uh, I went with three albums, actually. Uh, I went with Iggy and the Stooges, their whole run from 69 to 73, um, which is until they broke up for like 30 years or something. <laughs> um, they put out three albums called uh, The Stooges, Fun House, and Raw Power. Um, you've probably heard at least a handful of the songs on there. Um Probably uh, Gimme Danger or uh, Now I Want to Be Your Dog, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, anyway, I had an idea about, <laughs> because the, the music is from a certain time period, kind of, it was kind of the, one of the major kind of renaissance of punk music. And um, I would love to see uh, CM Punk as the, the lead male in my film. Look, he wants to branch out into acting. Phil, Phil wants to branch out into acting a little bit. I know he wants to start a band, so this is perfect for him. It's an outlet to do both of those things. Oh. And um, the idea is that the film would take place in space, um, and basically the entire movie is an allegory to the Vietnam War, but in space. So you've got, the, uh, you've got this, this big, uh, almost megalomaniacal uh, nation in, in, or planet or whatever that's uh, decided to invade this smaller, less, uh, seemingly less uh, in control and powerful uh, group of people and basically getting their asses kicked and and I just I'd want to cover all the seedy nastiness of that war. I mean the drugs, the uh, 
the horrific atrocities that were committed on both sides against each other. I mean, all that nasty stuff you see in movies like Platoon and Casualties of War. Yeah. But done in a way, like we've said before in sci-fi movies, that makes it feel safe and approachable. What makes you think about stuff like that? I mean, it's... Um, I'm a big fan of Vietnam War films. That's probably the most interesting time period for me in terms of, uh, in terms of like any sort of period of war. And so I've, I've been fascinated by it, and I'd love to see kind of a, a sci-fi version of that. And I would see CM Punk as kind of being recruited into, you know, this military, being being drafted into this military thing, and he's kind of an, like, you know, he's CM, he's CM Punk, he's kind of an edgy dude, and he, yeah. he you know, he's, he doesn't want to, he's a screw authority kind of guy, and somehow he winds up leading a rebellion against the corrupt leaders. It'd be cool. Um, and I've got ideas for where the, the music fits in there, you know, uh, obviously, um, uh, I Want to Be Your Dog has to be some sort of seedy brothel of some sort, you know what I mean, that he steps into, and there's just bong smoke all over the place and it's really <laughs> gross looking and yeah anyway so i've got some ideas for that um but i, I think it'd be cool I, I i love i love um even though the we're, we're a long ways away from from that time period i think it'd be cool to see us kind of look back on that in a, through a different lens so yeah that's uh is this all one movie yeah well okay. yeah, you can make more i mean you got three okay. albums maybe you can do three movies right um <laughs> uh, no, okay it's, it was hard for me not to pick those three albums because uh for one they're short albums there's not a lot of yeah i mean there's like I think one of them has like six tracks, so right. I mean, there's only so much you can do with it. But then again, uh, some of their their best songs are spread across those three albums, so it'd be hard not to include one, but include the other, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, Iggy and the Stooges, love them. Would love to see a movie based around their music. I, it had to be disgusting, though, just gross, and seedy, <laughs> just like and the CM music, Punk you know. Yeah. CM Punk. No, I, I, you know what? I'm a proponent of this. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a okay. I don't with believe it. it. Yeah, I, I, Phil, if you're listening to this. I'm a-okay with you getting into acting, dude. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's great. Um, maybe we can have him on the show. I should, I should message... He's not doing much. I should, mes- should message Phil. He's been marathoning TV shows. Yeah. So I feel like he's got a lot to talk about. Like, we could... I right? Like, I mean, he's from the Midwest, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's have him on. Phil, you're coming on. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's get into our review of James Gunn's Slither. Uh, IMDb synopsis is, A small town is taken over by an alien plague turning residents into zombies and all forms of mutant monsters. That's a really stupid... It sounds like the back of an action figure box, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, Starring Nathan Fillion, Elizabeth Banks, Michael Rooker, um, Greg Henry... Oh, boy. Uh, Who am I missing here? Help me out. That's it, right? What did we do? We did Nathan Fillion, Elizabeth Banks, Greg Henry, Michael Michael Rooker. Rooker... Those are really the big ones. Those are the big ones. Uh, oh, Jenna Fisher's in it. Yeah, Jenna Fisher's in it. Jenna for like Fisher. A second yep. There. Lloyd Kaufman apparently pops up as he does in all, in all, in all the uh, the James Gunn okay. films. He's got a lot of good luck charms. I'm just yeah. out there. <laughs> um, so obviously we've got Guardians of the Galaxy coming out in a short two weeks. We'll be reviewing that for sure. Um, if you have listened to our show at all, you know we're very excited for that movie. And I thought it'd be fun to go back and watch his first feature film. Um. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Wasn't his first feature film Romeo and Juliet? Or am I wrong? I don't believe. Did so. he just write that? He, he wrote just that. wrote that. Yeah. My yeah. bad. Yep, you're um, right. You're right. So I, I yes, his directorial debut in terms Got of features. It. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff for Trauma though. I mean, he he directed some shorts and stuff like that for. Well, him, he did so. that. He did the specials. There was a TV series he did. It was only like two episodes long. He but did Scooby Doo. He wrote the first. He wrote Scooby-Doo. the first Scooby Doo. Yeah, he's yeah. got. He's been involved in so much stuff. Uh, yeah. he wrote the Dawn of the Dead remake. I mean, this yeah. guy's insane. But anyway, um. Uh, John, you had not seen Slither right. uh, before. Tim, you had seen it. Yes. And I had. So let's uh, start with John. What okay. did you think? Uh, as a, a B-movie, <laughs> which is what I'm going to classify it as, I thought it was it was good. Mm-hmm. It was watchable. Uh, there, I, I liked the humor. It was subtle yet enjoyable. The main thing that I just don't ever watch movies like that. They and it's not that they don't appeal to me because I'll sit like if I'm with a group of friends and someone's like, "Hey, let's throw on Slither," I'm down. Like sure. I'll sit and I'll watch it and I'll enjoy it and I'll crack jokes the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll just try to do the whole mystery science theater thing. Um, but I, I, I'm not terribly invested in it. But I found it, it, it there was enough for me to I, I, I watched it and I enjoyed it. I did. I I will say the effects were pretty funny and mm-hmm. fairly decent. Uh, especially considering, like you know, what the movie's now going on. How many years old? Oh boy, seven years old. This was two thousand six. So eight, it? yeah, was eight it? years. Okay, that's and, a long time. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the the little the worm things crawling around were pretty interesting, and in, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of effects, that they you know they looked fairly natural. And I I mean I I really uh, I wanted to say 
Okay, the dude from The Walking Dead. What's his name? Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker. Yep. Okay, when he turns into, I probably am I am I spoil? Does we care about spoilers in a retro throwback um, or like how's it work? We can we we'll wait on that one. Okay, just in case. I'll hold off on that. Yeah. But anyways, I, overall, I I it's it was enjoyable enough for me to watch on my own, even yep. though I normally wouldn't do that sort of thing. So. Well, cool. That's where I stand. So a pleasant surprise, despite the fact that it's not exactly your cup of tea. Yeah, I, well, what really caught me was, like I, I was, like I said, I wasn't fully invested in it, but I kept picking up these little bits of humor, and it was cracking me up. And I was the only person home. You know, I was the only person. <laughs> I'm watching it by myself in the dark. You know, naturally yeah. you should. Right. But it, that's, yeah, it, it, was, uh, it, was, it was pretty funny here and there. So. Good. And I think it's sometimes, like, movies like this, I think, are great with a crowd, too. So that, that might oh, help, Oh, totally. Too. Like you said, like, gathering a couple of friends around, like, if you're just sitting around drinking some beers or Yeah, whatever, and you're watching there. stupid movies. Like, yeah. that's one of the stupid movies that I would recommend watching with a group of friends, for sure. Perfect. I love it. Tim. What did I think of this? What did you think of this? Okay. This was, um... This movie holds a special place in my heart. Because this is one of the first movies... I saw this when I was in college, and I saw it in the theater. And this is one of the first movies I ever went around, like being annoying and champion like just being a champion of it yeah like you you guys gotta see this why are you not seeing this it's hilarious it's funny like it's horror it's gross and then nobody went and saw it like this movie bombed like crazy but um no i was a huge fan of this movie when when it came out i've seen it probably i don't know five or six times and just i've shown it to friends and um this is this is the type of movie and i don't think it this is the type of movie that's as I've grown up, I've realized it's probably never going to catch on huge with, like, a mainstream <laughs> audience. But that didn't stop me at the time. No. Um, but it's for a certain type of film fan, someone who likes B-movies mm-hmm. and likes uh, horror movies and likes gross trauma movies, mm-hmm. um, this is a movie that I think that type of person would love. And, um... That type of film fan I would love, I should say. And, I yeah, I still... It still holds up for me. Um, this was actually... I think this may have been... I didn't watch uh, Firefly when I was out, so this may have been my introduction to Nathan Fillion. Yeah, it was mine. Yeah. Yep. yep. So, the cast is funny. Um, the direction is snappy. The effects... Some of them hold up way better than some of the other... Some of them weren't very good at the time, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. Was, <laughs> there was, like, one scene where... Uh, it slithers and it's really bad looking, but and I remember being, I remember being really bad at the time too. So it maybe it, it kind of adds to its charm a little. But sure. it's such a wacky movie at times, and it, it feels like a movie where every note that like probably a studio gave to it was kind of ignored, and they just because there's like stuff on the aliens' planets, and you don't see that in a lot of horror no. movies. So yeah, I still like it, and I, I it's still still a big fan of it. So okay. Um... I, I, I'm a pretty big horror fan. I think everybody knows that. Um, I did not catch on to kind of the tongue-in-cheek, um, uh, self-referential stuff until a little later on. And I had seen a couple movies like that. I remember that I saw the first, I saw Night of the Creeps, um, and I saw Monster Squad. And the first God, time I, I had seen Monster those, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. Same, same director, Fred Decker, he's fantastic. Oh, man, that movie's great. Um, and the first time I had seen those, I wasn't quite sure what to think. I'm not going to lie. I was... It's taken aback because I was used to my horror being stripped. I was used to the Romero movies, the Carpenter movies, the ones that are really just nasty and there's like nothing happy or funny. Mm-hmm. Like there might be one or two laughing, laughy joke moments, but that's like it. Um, most of the humor is unintentional. So, uh, but once I kind of I got a little older and I matured a little bit, like I realized how much I love this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had seen, like for instance, if I had seen Cabin in the Woods, which also is fantastic. If you haven't seen it, please do. Um, if I had seen that, you know. Uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I might not have appreciated it as much, um, but I have grown to love those kind of movies. Just, I don't, I can't, I have a hard time roping this in with Cabin in the Woods, the, yeah, because the, Cabin <laughs> in the Woods, I loved. It's one of sure. my favorite movies of all time. The only reason I, I, I put them in together is because they just, they both have that, they know, they know the genre they're in, you know what I mean? And they're okay. both having a great time with it, or trying to have a great time with it, and... They work well as, as, as horror films in their own right, but then they also work so well as this kind of meta kind of commentary on that I genre. You know what I mean? I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think Cabin's, Cabin in the Woods is obviously a little more meta. I think this yes. one kind of plays in it, and maybe even... It's tough to... Like, I don't... This sounds like a slight at Cabin in the Woods, and it's not. Cabin in the Woods, at times, to me, feels kind of superior to what it's 
poking yeah, fun at. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah This yeah. one doesn't. Like, this one's kind of trying to be like this. Oh, no, this one's, yeah, yeah this one's right down in the... In the, in the it's, yeah, it's, the, just, it's on par with with everything it's right, trying to sure. be. Absolutely, right. yeah. Um, but I, 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 I like Slither a lot. Um, it's... <laughs> James Gunn manages to capture this small-town kind of southern uh, mentality. And yes, obviously, a lot of it's, I'm sure, over the top and and caricatures, but they're so funny, and they just feel so, like, everything feels organic. Like, this town feels like everybody knows each other, yeah. and everybody's, like, probably slept with each other at some point, and, <laughs> um, you know, they all have some sort of grudge against their next door, and it gets great. Like, he, for some reason, this, this small town feels so real. And um, most of the people are unlikable, as all hell, but they're mm-hmm. hilarious to watch. Uh, the mayor, played by uh, Greg... Greg Henry. Greg Henry, yeah. is so funny and chews so much scenery in this movie. He is, he's pretty ridiculous. He's like. insane. <laughs> he's an insane person. And it's the, the opening scene of him, like... Screaming at the driver. Oh my god. I was, I was like, that's what we're watching? Like, okay. Like. Yeah. No, totally. And he's, he's absolutely bonkers. Michael Rooker is out of his mind in this movie. Michael Rooker is out of his mind in everything. Yeah, in real life. <laughs> but he's he he's nuts in this movie. Yeah, in, in the best way. He's doing a great job. Oh, wait, he's totally in his element. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Um, this is the first time I ever saw Elizabeth Banks in a movie, and I I like Elizabeth Banks a lot. I thought she was fun in this movie. Um, didn't get to stretch her her like comedic chops that much, obviously, because I don't think she was really all that uh, well known. Maybe Wet Hot American Summer. She Wet Hot American Summer. She. Um, she had a couple bit parts in the first two Spider-Man movies. Sure, yeah. yeah. But she hadn't done a ton of the comedy like that she's known right. for now. So, But I always like to see her. And then, of course, Fillion. This is my first exposure to him, um, not being a Firefly guy when it first came out. So, And he's he's at his best. You know, He's got the wit and the charm and everything that he carries over through pretty much any role he's ever been in. So right. um, it's, just, it's, it's a fun movie. And it's um, as long as you go in, don't take it too seriously, obviously, and just have a good time with it. Um, it's... You know, it's space slugs that invade your brain and make people, like, expand into water balloons and blow... I mean, it's just, just bonkers. Just nuts. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. It, it gets really gross. It is really gross. It's actually, there's moments where it's kind of like, you don't want to look at what's happening. <laughs> because uh, specifically, some of the, some, there's some weird sexual undertones, go, not even undertones, they're there, um, <laughs> going on in this movie um, with a husband and wife and... It gets really gross. Um, not as gross as it maybe could have gone if, if, if James Gunn wasn't probably, he didn't have a studio, somebody from the studio yeah. standing over his shoulder. But um, it's it, it gets pretty gross. And it's, I, I guess for me, this movie is an example of, I think, why he was chosen to direct Guardians of the Galaxy. Not that I want to re- talk about that movie too much. But no, I think, it's all right. Yeah. I think it's, um, he, I think his off-kilter sense of humor and his weird kind of, sensibilities as far as from a visual standpoint and stuff. I think that they'll play well into that. And I think they've, they they play well pretty well. Well, he balances it well, and he's, he doesn't lose sight of a story either in this movie. Yeah. I mean, the story is the story, but, I mean, right. it still... It still moves, and it still... It doesn't get too far. It balances the tone nicely, I think. So. Yeah, it, it does. It, there are some scenes in this that are generally pretty creepy, uh, I think. Um, and maybe we can talk more about that in Spoiler Terry. I don't want to say too much. But there are some scenes, especially involving little slugs, that are pretty gross and kind yeah. of get under your skin, literally. Um, so, anybody else got anything they want to say about this? I mean, I, I would suggest it to a horror fan, certainly. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, as, as someone who, like I said, I'm not totally into this. Like, it's it, it's worth a watch with some friends if you're bored on a Friday night, you Yeah, know? sure. Absolutely. Like like you guys said, like, sit around, drink some beers, watch this movie, you know? Like, yeah. That's, it's totally that kind of movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't detract me from wanting to watch it, so. Right. Good. Fantastic. I'm trying to think of, like, if you like other movies, like... If you've seen other movies. I'm trying to think of bigger movies. Yeah, it's hard to compare it to stuff. I mean... It, well, the horror than, comedies. Yeah. Yeah, if you're kind of a fan of that. Yeah, if you like, even if you like, like, Shaun of the Dead or something. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I was I think thinking. that would be a fine... You know, I think that you'd probably get some enjoyment out of this, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I even hold Shaun of the Dead in higher regard. <laughs> yeah, no, fair <laughs> Oh, totally, totally, totally. No, I mean, Shaun of the Dead's... Shaun of the Dead's in a, kind of in a class of its own, you know? Yeah, but, I was just trying so to think of, like... It's... it's, it's Like-minded. It's comparable. Uh, I mean, like I said, Night of the Creeps I mentioned earlier, which really, this actually... Tucker has and Dale. a lot in common. Tucker I guess that's Dale not a bigger evil. one. It's probably about the same. Yeah. So, I don't know, there's, there's some other stuff out there. You know, it, I think that what's interesting is the horror genre, the quality movies in the horror genre have kind of transitioned to this tongue-in-cheek kind of self-referential humor and trying not to take themselves too seriously because I think, to be honest, when a horror movie tries to take itself too seriously at this point, people tune out. Um, we've, we've seen all the tricks. We've seen all the scares and the jumps and the gags. Like that doesn't scare people anymore. Uh, you're not fooling anybody. So I think just having fun with it and trying to have a good time, make it a romp and like bring your buddies, like you said, and like have a good time. That's how 
that's the ones that are succeeding in my mind. So I, I mean, personally, like when it comes to my preference in terms of horror, I, I like the movies that actually will literally scare the shit out of me. Yeah, like, okay. The sure. stuff, the stuff that kind of hits close to home. I mean, if, like just. Think about being raised Catholic and then going to see The Exorcist. Oh, you know? totally. When, when yeah. they did The Exorcist uh, director's cut re-release, oh, totally. yeah. I mean that movie scared the hell out of me. I, I literally like I slept with the lights on for like three weeks after right. watching mm-hmm. that, and that's because it hit home, you know. And, and that that kind of thing, or even like uh, The Sixth Sense, which I mean, I I don't know if anybody else has ever had any experience with ghosts, but I feel like I've had a few things that freaked the fuck out of me, and that's <laughs> that that movie. Right. hits certain chords, you know, and I like that. I still like to see that stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then uh, something like Event Horizon, like that movie mm-hmm. still to this day scares me. Oh, yeah. But it's a great movie and I'll watch it. Totally. So, uh, oh, God, Event Horizon screwed me up. That, that movie messes everybody <laughs> up because it's terrifying. But that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I like those sorts of, like, horror movies as opposed to the tongue-in-cheek, you know. It, it, it's, it's still, I enjoy this again. Sure. I did. Mm-hmm. But... It's not my preference. You're less of a horror fan, right? Is what you said? I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll pretty much watch anything, but when it comes to horror, I specifically you want like something that's, more... that's going right, to scare sure. the shit out of me. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Whereas this was just, it was too campy to scare the shit out of me. Right, you know? right, right. So. Um, well, cool. Um, I think we're going to head into, we're going to take a little break and then head into spoiler Terry. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I think we all enjoy it to different degrees, yeah, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So um, grab a couple of beers, hang out with your buddies. If you don't drink, just grab a couple sodas and hang out with your buddies and watch some uh, watch some Slither. Yeah, we'll be back in a second. Welcome back to Spoiler Terry for James Gunn's Slither. Um, Tim, what do you got to talk about for us? Um, I want to talk about Greg Henry more. Oh! <laughs> because he deserves some sort of award for one of, whatever one of the, he was doing in this movie. One of the many good luck charms that James Gunn uses. He, yes, he plays the, uh, he plays the mayor in this, and it is a, a performance that's cranked up to, like, 12. And, uh... If, yeah, if anybody overacted their role, it was totally him. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I just, I don't know, every, every line he says in this is like, just kills me. Like it's a, and I wanted to touch on this because you were talking about the small town thing. Yes. And he has the, he has my favorite line in the movie and it's a, such a small town thing and I've lived in some over over my life. Sure. And he goes, he's mad because he can't find any Mr. Pim and then he goes, I, can't, I don't have any Mr. Pim, it's my favorite kind of Coke. Yes. <laughs> it's so funny to me. It, like, I heard that the first time I'm like, oh my god. Calling it, calling all pop Coke. Coke is yes. just the best thing yeah, that I've awesome. ever heard. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about his performance because I think it's killer. Um, and there's the uh, the opening scene, and this will tie into what else I want to talk about in this movie. Is I think he uses... James Gunn is really good at using music in his movies. And I think he uses it in a really off-kilter way. Mm-hmm. And he uses a lot of, like, kind of, like... Um, kind of like country in this and a kind of a lot of older love songs mm-hmm. and throughout his movies he it's good and he uses it kind of the same effect in super um which is a very acquired taste i think we've talked about it's, it's an odd one that's his second uh feature film very dark um he uses it actually one of my favorite uses of that he's used music in is he did a uh video game called lollipop chainsaw mm. and the game i only played a little bit of it and it's kind of a fun beat 'em up but when you power up, you play a cheerleader who's fighting zombies, and when you power up, like, the song Mickey, like, Hey Mickey, You're So Fine, starts playing, and you start ripping people's heads off, because you have all these powers now, and it cracked me up. So, I need to play this. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, so it's really, really funny. I don't know how good the game is, because I stopped playing after about an hour and a half. I can see it getting kind of repetitive. Okay. I don't think it's a very long game, though. But uh, he uses music, and there's the scene in the bar... And he's getting everybody pumped up, and it's also a really funny scene with Greg Henry just screaming at the top of his lungs, too. <laughs> and they're, they're playing a country song. So I want to talk about, yeah, just his performance, and obviously I, I like all the performances in the movie, and I want to talk about the use of music, because I think it's a very funny movie, and I think it adds to a lot of the humor and the kind of off-kilter stuff that's in it. Yeah, I mean, his his song selections, and it's not just not just the song he, songs he picks, but like, where like the exact frame he starts them in, yes, and the exact like what how he carries them through different scenes, is is pretty perfect. Um, using every woman in the world, like in the way is that the name of the song? Yes, yeah. yeah, is is so funny because it comes back again towards the end of the movie, and it's like it's the most disgusting part of the movie <laughs> at that point, and it's just this really nice love song, you know. And he uses it and in a way; it adds some humanity to Michael Rooker's character, who is he's a complete 
dummy. He's like an adult in this movie. Yeah, he's it, an idiot. He's yeah. a stupid, but it kind of gives you an idea that maybe he's kind of a sweetheart at times. Like, if he's playing that song, if that's their song, he's got kind of a heart. And then when he's when he's the big monster at the end and they play it and, like, they show his face, you're like, I kind of feel bad for you the big <laughs> right now. Like, he's remembering that song and he's remembering what it was like before. I'm like, this is kind of, this is kind of sad. Yeah, no, so, it is. He does, it's, he does a great job of incorporating that yeah. stuff. And, um... Speaking speaking of Michael Rooker uh, and his his transformation throughout the film, John, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about creature design. Yeah, I I think uh, what I thought was really cool when the halfway point when he's basically just like a, a slew of body parts connected and he's kind of yeah. slithering around that way. I'm pretty damn sure that the centaur from Fallout Three was 100 percent influenced by that. <laughs> yeah, because that is to a T. I swear to God, if you, I mean, I don't know how how familiar you guys are with Fallout 3. Fairly, yeah. But yeah, okay. the centaur enemies that you run into, they're like the little minions of the, the super mutants. Okay. That, that monster was particularly designed off of Michael Rooker in that stage. That's I awesome. Think. And, and I thought that was that was pretty rad because I kept thinking like, oh man, that's got to be where they got that inspiration. Like they must like, I mean, if you think about Fallout and like, you know, the idea of, like, you know, radiation mutating body parts and everything, it kind of ties into, like, what ends up happening. I mean, they're just, they're absorbing, these bodies are absorbing each other <laughs> right, right, and becoming right. one mess of bodies. And then uh, the scene where, the, I can't think of the chick's name, but she, you know, she's blown up in the size of a balloon filled mm-hmm. with all the little slugs. That was, like, it, it cracked me up because it's, like, this throw, it had a quick throwback to, like, old school Willy Wonka and, like, Violet Beauregard. <laughs> Yeah, and, totally. and then and then she actually blows up and all these worms come flying out of her. Perfect. Like that was. That, I'm like, I'm like that's what you wanted to see in Willy Wonka, but they wouldn't show you. That like, <laughs> this is the stuff that would have traumatized you as a child. Yes, exactly. And I thought uh, one of the other cool things, uh, the the joke that um, the father makes to the daughter about her nails, and then she uses her fingernails to grab the slug from her yeah. mouth and rip it out. That was cool too. Like nice little like that's right. A nice setup. Like why would you ever like no one would ever set anything up like that. And that was like the perfect little setup, and you you love it. Like yeah. I, it was just really well done, and I thought that was pretty funny. So yeah, that that's I didn't even catch that. That's funny. Now, speaking of uh, one thing, every time I watch this movie, I do this, and I don't understand why. The, the the girl that is in the bathtub, the one with the nails. Yeah. Does she die in this movie? She survives, right? She survives. Yeah. How yeah. do I always like? I always I remember her getting crushed by the piano. Like, the piano flies over and hits her, and then I never remember her, like, walking out of the house at the end. I don't know what... I'm sorry, that was just a side note there. I always forget that she survives this movie. <laughs> I, it's very strange. It's probably because she, she's that character that almost dies every time, but then yeah, doesn't, yeah. you know? Like, something in my brain just wants me to make her dead, which is not fair, because she seems nice. Um... <laughs> oh, and the little nip slip was nice too. Of course, yeah. yes. You got a little, just a, enough, just enough TNA. You know? Well, I, I was at that point. One of my roommates was home, and he was like, "Did we just see nipples?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yes, we did see nipples, indeed." Yeah. Um, can I just say, James Gunn has the balls to kill kids in this movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. And and like, there's. That's what, I, that's what I was saying, kind of like with the note. Like this is something like maybe you should kill a kid, and he's like, oh, I'll kill a kid. No, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is this is a this is a rare thing, really. Even in even in, in some of the most uh, hardcore of horror movies, rarely do you see kids get killed off. Usually, if there's a kid in one of these movies, they make it through. Like they're really obnoxious throughout the movie, and like you just want them to go away, but they they, they survive. Mm-hmm. Um, this this one, no, like they're dead. Like there's no not only are they dead, but they're like mindless ghouls that are trying to kill their own sister. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. And I, I remember watching uh, the Blob, the '80s remake of the Blob with uh, with uh, Kevin Dillon. Okay. And um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But there's a, there's a kid that brutally dies in that. <laughs> I mean, horrific. Like he is the like it's a little kid and he has like the worst death in the movie. And I remember just like shitting myself watching it. I was like, <laughs> I don't understand. Like this is really mean. Like yeah. Anyway, but no, and he's doing this in a big budget Universal Studios movie. It's pretty incredible stuff. <laughs> Um, so, way to have the balls to make that happen. Well, I, this The whole movie is, again, like another comparison to uh, Cabin in the Woods. It kind of is all-encompassing of various uh, throwbacks and motifs yeah. of other like horror movies. Mm-hmm. And you've got the two twins that talk in unison. <laughs> totally. totally. And they're fucking zombies and they're scary. Like, yeah. like you know, that, and, you know, all these little bits and pieces. Like, you've got zombies, you've got aliens, you've yep. got the, the scary twin sisters. Like, yep. Little nods to all all of it, all of his influences, and that, totally. that's that's pretty rad in itself. So. And, and even even speaking of the blob again, I mean, like that that movie starts with a comet, 
yeah. crashing in the woods yeah. and the blob, you know. So even that is it, right there's a reference. Uh, he's definitely. This is kind of a love letter to those B horror movies. Oh, totally. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, seeing all the all the James Gunn regulars, and I always love I always love when a director has a kind of a group of guys that they like to work with, and you get to see them pop up in bit parts mm-hmm. here and there. And um, we've already talked about Greg Henry, and of course Michael Rooker, who's worked with him, I think, on pretty much everything he's done. Um, but then, what, Sean Gunn. I did not know Sean Gunn in this one. Is he in this one? I don't James know if he is in this one. Okay. I know James Gunn plays the teacher. He plays yes. the English teacher. James Gunn does have a cameo as the as the teacher earlier on in the movie. They're kind of creepy. He's the, oh, he's, he's an environmental science teacher, yes. if I remember. Because she's the English teacher. That's yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Um, and, of course, um, Nathan Fillion yes. is a regular of his. But it's always fun to see those guys pop up. And, it, and it's... I, I love... When, like I said, when directors have these, this crew they work with, because you get a sense of, and this movie is a prime example of it. Everybody was having a good time making this movie. Like mm-hmm. I, I mean, you can oh, tell for sure. And, and and I I appreciate that because oftentimes um, when you get a director like James Gunn, somebody who clearly has a vision of what they want this movie to be, and you have a studio Universal behind it, it's. Oftentimes, those guys feel stifled by that, and feel. But clearly, clearly, every, all everybody was firing on all. Like everything was firing on all cylinders, and everybody was getting along and having a great time. So, yeah, I, and it shows, and, I, and it definitely, definitely makes the movie more fun, and and you feel like you're part of the crew. So that's that's very fun. But um, yeah, I, anybody else got anything they want to talk about? A little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't have much to say about it because I don't think it says much about it, but. In the grand B movie tradition of throwing in like a little bit of social commentary, this movie kind of does it okay. with like consumerism and overconsumption, especially in like a small town, like sure. a kind of a small hick town. Sure. Because I mean, it's I don't think it's a coincidence that like the first person infected is a local like businessman, mm-hmm. and then he goes on to just eat everything and eat until he blows up, and they can't control themselves. So, so I think it throws it in there, and I think it's it's kind of smartassy about it. And I don't think it necessarily means it, but it, sure. it, it's definitely there. And I th- I, I've always found it kind of funny. So well, and there is there's there's a bit of commentary too. I think from the the woman that he impregnates essentially. Yeah. And the idea of like you know she already has like a kid or two and like this right yeah, exactly. yeah there's, there's a bit going on there too about kind of the the state of uh, un, you know. Uh, I hate to say it, but lower class people. Oh, totally. The idea this that they... shows how naive I am. I didn't pick up on any of this <laughs> shit. <laughs> well, to be fair, Willie and I, I think, have seen this quite a bit. Well, yeah, yeah. And again, like I'm detached from this sort of genre sure. in general. Right. So. so it's not something that you're going to dig into. No, right? it's right. definitely something that kind of happens in B movies too. That it, it it throws it out there a little bit, but it never really like it doesn't commit. Necessarily. No, it never really commits. It just kind of throws it out there for and, sure, right. and, and just and makes it, jokes about it. And of. sometimes it, I think it's unintentional. Sometimes I think it just oh, happens. totally. But, this um, could totally. I don't think it is in this one though. But no, yeah. I think it's meant to be there. But it's yeah, it, it, that's very funny. And yeah. that's something that that the first time around I I didn't think about too much. But you're absolutely right. There's there's a consumption thing going on. I mean, look at the the zombies' bellies are like. <laughs> You know, out to here, they yeah. they're having triplets, and it just—it's <laughs> insane. Uh, and I, once again, Greg Henry uh, eating somebody's corpse the first time. With, oh with, yeah, yeah. With what song is playing in the background during that part? Oh god, I don't remember what what song they choose, but that that was really funny too because he looks so apprehensive. Like he goes from being so disgusted by being down in the basement to being like, "Okay, fine, I'm gonna eat this dude." <laughs> it's just so great, just disgusting. I had a group of people watching it; they hadn't seen. They hadn't seen, like, the first hour of the movie at this point, and they, like, walked in and sat down, and that was the first thing they saw, and I'm like, I probably look so gross right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I don't care. I have no shame. So, I think that's all we got for, uh, for Slither. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, definitely check it out if you, if you have an interest in that kind of movie. If you are um, so inclined. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, we don't have any feedback from anybody this week, but once again, you can find yourself featured in our feedback session. A section, rather. Please call us at 248-733-5MFN or 248-733-5636. You can email us at feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com. You can find us on facebook.com slash Podcast, where you can get a hold of us there. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast. Don't forget, once again, to check out midwestfilmnerds.com for all past episodes with show notes. That about does it for us this week um, at the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. Next week, we're reviewing Brett Ratner and Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Hercules. Yeah! So, that should be fun. Uh, we've got a big rock enthusiast in the house here, uh, Mr. Tim Long. So, we'll see how he, feel, how he feels about The Rock's greatest, you know, perhaps greatest franchise um, uh, opportunity. attempt. Yeah. Opportunity, yes, at, the, at this juncture. I already know how I feel about him. 
Yeah, oh, I know. As a man. Yeah, absolutely. So, really, this isn't going to sway my opinion of him. <laughs> him wearing a lion hood just makes him all the cooler. So. Right. Um, it is exciting to see, perhaps, to see The Rock just fight giant monsters for, like, an hour and a half. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It might be, like, 80 minutes long. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, uh, we're reviewing that. I'm kind of hoping it is so. 80 minutes long. I know, me yeah. too. It's a Jonah Hex length. Um, Walking tall length. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, thank you again, John. Uh, Mr. John on Twitter. For music and artwork, as of always. Course. And anything you want to talk about? Anything? No, sir, I'm good. All right, he's good to go. He's good, good to, go. to go. If you want to hear the, what, what he's got going on, uh, you can listen to last week's episode, because Indeed. he talked about it then, so <laughs> check it out. Um, yeah, that's about does it. Uh, Kyle XY. Go on to movie. movie.